What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today, which is a sports ethos presentation. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Those are the two accounts where you'll find these podcasts, different articles, Twitter threads. All of the fantasy baseball content that I put out and that Sports Ethos puts out will be found on those two accounts. So please do go give them a follow and check them out. We are going to be doing what we usually do here on Fridays. We'll look back on yesterday's top performers. We'll comb through the best ads and drops over on the waiver wire. We'll look at one or two matchups to keep an eye on tonight. And then we'll talk about some streams going forward for the rest of this weekend. Not really so much on Sunday but there are a couple of Saturday streams that I think will probably be pretty okay. We're not looking at anything so great going on this weekend, really, for streams. There's been weekends in the past where I've talked about seven, eight different options. Sometimes it's just one or two, which is unfortunately where we are right now. Considering it's the playoffs, you'd kind of hope for more, but it is what it is. We have a couple of guys who we're going to talk about that'll be closer to the end of the show, but we will start out the way we usually start out here. We'll look back on some of yesterday's top performers, and Carlos Carrasco was our number one scoring player. He went six innings, he struck out 11, allowed one earned run, he walked two batters, and he allowed four base hits. He did pick up the victory against Pittsburgh, and over his last month, he has an ERA that is 1.84. He's won two games, 19 strikeouts in 14 innings. He's been fantastic, really. If you look at the entire season, it's been a little up and down for Carlos Carrasco. Uh, the ERA is at 370, and... I mean, you'll take 370 as a whole. There's been points of the season where he hasn't been such a strong hold. But, and, and we've seen that we've seen that reflected in his roster percentage. It's gone up and down between uh, low 60s to, I think, probably uh, maybe in the low 80s is where it really peaked at. Right now, we're at 74% for Carrasco. I think that's probably about right. You could even see him probably be added in a few more teams or in a few more leagues, but the trade-off there is that obviously leagues are coming to an end. This is the last week for some people, and he will be dropped. So I think that that 74% will probably stay about the same. His next start should be coming up against the Pirates, or excuse me, this start was against the Pirates. Next start should be against the Brewers. I mean, maybe they push him back, and it's against Oakland. I I wouldn't be thinking that's probably going to happen. I think it'll most likely be against the Brewers, Uh, early to mid next week where he should be a totally fine start for you guys next guy we're going to talk about here is Dre Jameson and I got to be honest with you guys I didn't really know who Dre Jameson was I might have heard his name once or twice but I he was not somebody that was on my radar whatsoever Uh, throughout the minors this season 631 ERA 149 whip he's got about he got exactly pretty much one strikeout per inning he's just really hasn't been so great and then he comes up yesterday Seven innings, shutout ball, two hits, five strikeouts against San Diego. That's fantastic. A lot of people, and even the Yahoo write-up here says that he is worthy of a speculative roster spot. Maybe if you just looked at the performance, I would agree with them there. But in trying to project our schedules for next week, our streams, you're looking ahead, and the next start for him will be against the Dodgers. I think that's probably too risky. I mean, I'm saying that I'm not even being strong enough in my phrasing there. It's definitely too risky for me. There might be some people who will go for it. I'm sure when, when that day comes next week, I'm thinking it'll be early to mid next week. Same thing, uh, probably Tuesday-ish. There will be people who go and add him, and they're probably not going to be too happy with themselves after the fact, starting at Dodger Stadium, a guy who struggled in the minors. Yes, he did well against San Diego, but San Diego has not exactly been uh, playing at their best. We've seen Juan Soto essentially 
he's been terrible, really. I mean, he's he's killing me in in a couple of my leagues, Juan Soto, and that's you know not obviously not the only thing there, but no Soto, uh, essentially no Tatis. It's it's not the greatest lineup. So he got through them, yes, uh, and they they can go off still. But going getting through San Diego for me is not you know the threshold it might have been even a month ago. And when you say, "Well, wow, he, he got through San Diego seven innings," like he it's a very impressive outing, uh, no question. But I think we need to dial back our expectations a little bit for the rest of this season, and specifically for a start that's going to be at Dodger Stadium. I I would not be touching him at all. I think that's going to be way too risky. And I should probably mention here as a side note, if you guys are thinking about streams for next week, my next guest, and it will be, it should be on Monday morning, it'll be with Marty Tallman from Triple Play Fantasy and from Fantrax. He writes their two-star pitching articles. We're going to talk to them about some of the best two-star pitchers and players in general to add for next week. So fear not if you're worried about uh, guys to be picking up. We're going to bring in a guy who focuses on that specifically. Specifically, the two-star pitchers is what Marty really focuses on. And we'll go to him for his suggestions for next week. So don't worry about, uh, I mean, I guess you could start taking a look there. But Marty's a guy who does this every single weekend. He knows what he's talking about. So we're going to be talking with him. It should be on Monday. We've talked with Marty before. He's been on the Trade Deadline show. I talked with him on Potapalooza. Marty's a really good guy. So that should be a really great show. Make sure you guys check that one out. But we will keep going here with Lance McCullers. And he took care of business yesterday against Oakland. The only problem in his line was the four walks, but everything else, he went six innings, two hits, two earned runs, 11 strikeouts. He's been absolutely dominant since he came back. Now, he's somebody that I was not really holding out much hope for this season. His first start did not come until August 13th. I was not really big on him. I mean, I I love what he's done. Last year, he was really good. I just wasn't sure coming off an injury that he was going to get much rope this year. So I was not really holding him. I didn't have any shares of him, but Lance McCullers is turning into a guy where he was probably worth it to stash. Uh, he was definitely worth it if you had an IL slot. If not, then it might have been kind of hard throughout the season. But you either had him stash an IL slot or you just picked him up off the waiver wire because maybe your league doesn't have them or no one was really interested. In whatever whatever the case may be with Lance McCullers, he's going to be one of those guys. And the, the term is, I'm, I don't know, I think it's more of a term in basketball, league winner. I mean, it does apply in a lot of different cases. But I think in the NBA, you'll see those last couple weeks, guys will just sit and then you get these replacement guys that you can add and they kind of they really help you to win your leagues. You kind of see that in, in baseball, but not to the same degree. There could be a guy, and there's a couple guys we're going to talk about today who are hot ads, and they might just cool down tomorrow. You don't really know. In different sports, sometimes people are given playing time, specifically the NBA, and you know that they're going to fill in and help out. So that league winner term can be kind of tossed around a little bit uh, too frequently, I think, maybe in baseball. But Lance McCullers, really, I mean, as a guy coming in for these last two months, who is essentially free, I mean, his draft price would have been very heavily discounted if you did draft him. Uh, he's been everything you, you possibly could have hoped for. Let's talk about Yoan Moncada. He went uh, four for five yesterday. He hit a home run. He scored a couple times. Now, I just don't really have a lot of faith in Yoan Moncada. For this season, for right now, yes, I would be holding on to him over the last two weeks. He's got a 361 average, three home runs. He's knocked in six. But long-term, looking ahead to next year when I'm thinking about who I want for my third baseman, uh, corner infielders for my teams, I'm going to be doing everything I can to avoid drafting Moncada. He's just not that good. He's on a nice little roll right now, but I think we've kind of tried to convince ourselves these last couple of seasons that Yoan Moncada was going to be a really great player, and we've never we've never seen it. The best season he ever had was 2019, and he was very good. He had 25 home runs, he had 79 RBIs, and he batted 315. And after that season, we thought this guy was going to be a star. And maybe the pandemic did something. I I, I don't know. I I really can't 
properly evaluate why he is not this good anymore, why we ever thought he was that good to begin with. That season is obviously very good, but to do that one time and not for three years now, I think we've all still been kind of chasing that. Maybe it was because he was traded for Chris Sale that we all kind of just assumed he would be a great ball player. And I think he's fine. I think in a deeper league, he's fine. And this is more talking about next year where you're going to be drafting people. Like for right now, while he's hot, ride it out, sure. The White Sox are doing pretty well, so that's that's fine. But for next year, I would probably be trying to stay away from him in drafts wherever I can. He just doesn't give you, I mean, he doesn't give you any steals. He doesn't give you much batting average at all. This year, like terrible, 215. Usually he's a little bit better than that, but this year has been awful. The home runs are very uh, few and far between 10 of them in 88 games that's just it's not great nothing he does is really great from a fantasy perspective so I think for the most part next season Juan Moncada when you see him coming up I think for the most part I would probably be fine to pass him up and take a flyer on a later round guy because he's just he hasn't done it for you in a long time and I, I don't know that he ever really will um, so let's keep it going here with Shane McClanahan last thing I'll say and I did say it a couple times Keep him for now. Don't be dropping you on Moncada. Ride out this hot streak, but just long-term, don't don't have too much faith. Don't have too much invested in him if you're talking dynasty or whatnot. But let's talk Shane McClanahan. His first start back yesterday, he was only gone for a couple of weeks, but it was still good to see him back on form. I mean, the first inning or so, he looked a little shaky, but he settled right in. Five shutout innings, three hits, one walk, and five strikeouts. He threw 69 pitches. Probably could have gone a little bit farther, but they didn't want to push him. Totally understandable. I've been very, very happy with the way the Rays have used McClanahan this year. Obviously, that injury is going to save him some mileage. Um, but the way that they've used him is they're never going past the 100 pitches. The most pitches he's thrown this season is 100 on the dot, and it was twice. And I love that. I love, and I've juxtaposed it with Alcantara earlier in the year, that they just throw Alcantara nine, eight, maybe seven innings every single time out. And it's not something that your body can really handle year after year after year this time this day and age not really back in the day sure you throw 200 300 innings a year and it was fine now we're not really seeing that and when the guys we do see it with we've seen Alcantara kind of be not as sharp down the stretch maybe that's why maybe it's not I don't know but the way they've used McClanahan they've kept him he's at 150 innings 152 innings for the season now I think here the Rays are probably not going to be too too crazy with McClanahan I think they'll probably be fairly cautious but at the same time he's not going to get that many more innings there's three weeks left in the year there'll probably be three four more starts for McClanahan let's call it six innings per start 175 innings I think that they'd probably be pretty okay with that maybe we see the last couple get abbreviated a bit but the thing with Tampa is that they're not so stable in that in their playoff spot that they could just say yeah, we, we don't really need to play Shane the rest of the season. Maybe one start here, one start there. Four and a half games up on Baltimore. They're no longer ahead of Toronto. I don't know that they're going to be too conservative with McClanahan's innings. They're not going to go crazy. I don't think they're going to be throwing him 120 pitches. I don't think that will happen. But I think that we'll probably see a bit of a longer leash than we would have expected here with him just because he's missed those couple weeks in the time where, I mean, just leading up to that time where he did miss the couple weeks, it was six innings, seven innings, six innings. He wasn't going crazy deep into ball games and like I said he's never going past 100 pitches so I think Shane McClanahan should probably be all steams that all systems go here uh, heading into the final stretch and I do think that uh, we've talked about the awards quite a bit here on the show I don't know that Cy Young is totally out of the question for him we got to see what happens with Justin Verlander he's going to be coming back today I believe now that's great 
I don't think that they'll have much room uh, with Verlander for for any kind of crap. If he's not feeling great, if his arm has some kind of soreness or tightness, or I don't think I don't think they're going to push him. Like the Astros, they are going to the playoffs. They do not have to worry about making squeaking into a division or squeaking into the wild card. They're there, so maybe they'll be a little bit more cautious with Verlander down the stretch. Where McClanahan, I think that they'll probably be a little bit more liberal with his innings. Maybe we do see a flip-flop there into first place for McClanahan. Now, obviously, Dylan Cease is still in that conversation. Uh, it's really hard to say exactly who's going to win this award. Now, if you just look at betting, McClanahan is way behind the other two, which I don't think is right at all. McClanahan has been right there with the other two this entire season. His ERA is the same as Cease. I mean, it's, two, it's .03 better than Cease. Verlander is 1.84, where McClanahan is 2.13. So you're looking at a bit more of a gap there. But we're looking at, I mean, just really, really similar numbers. Guys playing for good teams here. Obviously, the Astros are the best team in that bunch. Whether or not that will factor into voting, perhaps. We've seen that with the MVP. It'll probably factor in a little bit. I just think Shane's kind of being overlooked, considering he was probably, arguably, the best pitcher in baseball for the first four months of the season. He comes back. He has a couple of good starts here. I have no problem seeing him uh, winning that Cy Young. I think it would be totally justified. People would obviously be a little angry if Justin Verlander doesn't win it out in Houston, maybe even some Tigers fans. But you got to look objectively here. McClanahan has been pretty much just as good. Uh, let's keep it going here with Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn has been a joy to watch recently after being absolutely horrendous for his first, I don't know, three or so starts, four or so starts when he came back. Over the last month, he has a 1.18 ERA and a 0.76 whip, 38 innings, 44 strikeouts. He's about as confident of a start that you're going to have right now in fantasy. I don't think there's anybody who's really been on a roll like like Lance Lynn has, at least on the bump. He's just been ridiculous. Uh, there's there's not really too much analysis I need to give here with Lance Lynn. His next start comes against the Guardians again. I, he's, he's an absolute must-start, no question. There were some leagues earlier in the year where he was dropped, which was obviously crazy. And I think his roster percentage is still probably a little bit lower than it should be. Oh, it's back up to 92. Okay. There was It would, had fallen down there for a little bit, but it's good to see people have recovered uh, and picked up Lance Lynn. I feel really bad for people who may have dropped Lance Lynn because I think there was probably a few of you. There was definitely a few of you, and hopefully if you guys are listeners and you did drop Lance Lynn, you were able to get somebody as a replacement who is somewhat similar. It's not like Lance Lynn's strikeouts are crazy high. You could maybe replace that. The ratios come and go. It, it's a tough one if you did drop him, and for sure it'll be one of those ones where you look back and you say... White Sox pitching this year, Giolito was kind of hit or miss, and you figured Lynn would be in the same boat. Obviously, Cease is in a different realm there, but I, I could understand it if you did drop him, and I do feel for you. So I don't want to go too deep in there because obviously people will start to get depressed. We don't want people to get depressed listening to the show. We want to uplift people. So we will move on to the most added player segment of the day. We'll look at the guys who have been added, who have been dropped here over on Yahoo, and the number one ad is Oscar Gonzalez. Now, He's homered in two straight games. He is the number one fantasy player over the last week. He's 11 for 28, four homers, and nine RBIs. Long term, we mentioned this before. I don't know that I really feel so confident in him. If this was a dynasty league, I wouldn't be trading for him. But right now, he's hot. There's probably only a week or so left in your season. You want to ride out any kind of hot production that you can get, and he is one of those guys right now. He's probably at the top of the list. He is at the top of the list in terms of widely available guys who can give you a bit of a power boost. He's typically batting fourth or fifth in that lineup. I think that he makes for a pretty strong ad here down the stretch. Specifically, if you're in a five outfielder league, it should be pretty much a no-brainer. Now, there are some pitchers being added today for their starts. Obviously, we're going to be talking about a couple of them. 
Some of them are pretty damn risky, and we'll start with the riskiest one here who has been added up. It's Mitch Keller. In more than 3,000 leagues, Mitch Keller has been added up to face the Mets. Now, he's been very good at times this year. He's been very poor. He's coming off of two pretty good starts, one of them against those Mets, one of them against St. Louis. To ask him to do this a third time out, I mean, we're talking two of the teams are the same there, obviously the Mets twice in St. Louis, but three good starts in a row for a guy like Mitch Keller against very good offenses. We're asking a little bit too much out of him at that point, and I don't think that I'm going to be interested. Not solely because of that. Obviously, there's not a great chance for a victory, Pittsburgh versus the Mets. He's not the greatest strikeout pitcher. There's just not a hell of a lot going for him. Yes, recently he has been pretty strong, but I'm just not really going to be sold against the Mets. The strikeouts are just too unpredictable for me. There's been times literally over his last five games, here are the totals. 6, 2, 10, 5, and 1. You have no idea what he's going to give you any time out. I think I'd probably be going with one of these other guys that we're going to mention. And the first one here, probably already rostered in your league, Taiwan Walker. He's at 68% rostered over on Yahoo. We did talk about this one last time after he uh, threw seven innings, 10 strikeouts against Miami. He got the victory. He was excellent. And we did say, look ahead to that start against Pittsburgh. If you are still one of those leagues where he's sitting on the waiver wires, absolutely Taiwan Walker should be a priority at. Now, like I said, competitive leagues, it's going to probably be pretty hard, 68%, but there might be one or two of you. It's probably worth just going over and looking at the waiver wire to see if he is available. Corey Kluber is another guy starting today. He gets the Rangers. I feel pretty all right with this one. Obviously, he's coming off of a terrible outing against the Yankees, but other than that, he's been pretty strong this season. That that just boosts your ERA when you go a third of an inning or two-thirds of an inning and allow six runs. It kind of just inflates the season as a whole, but if you look at it, 142 innings, 122 Ks, 10 victories, a 436 ERA. He's been pretty solid, Corey Kluber. If you are looking for an arm tonight that, you know, just a baseline kind of guy, nothing that's going to be too crazy, just give you fairly standard pitching production, five innings, five strikeouts, two runs, or something like that, Corey Kluber is probably going to be the safest option here. Now, he's a little bit on the higher side in terms of roster percentage. There's someone a little bit lower that you might want to target here. And it is risky, but I think I'd probably aim for Josiah Gray. It is very risky. I just like the matchup here against Miami. He is someone who can give you more strikeouts on a consistent basis. So, I mean, if the options are him and, and Mitch Keller, I think it should be Josiah Gray in a heartbeat. You've got about the same chance of a win, probably a higher chance of a win, if you're being honest, Washington versus Miami, as opposed to, uh, to New York versus Pittsburgh. So, Josiah Gray, I mean... I'm going to be more in on him going forward. I feel like every year I'll be a little more in on him. This season has been a little bit rough. The control issues, he gives up too many home runs. Those have been things that have plagued him. And obviously playing for the Nationals, you're not going to have a ton of fantasy value unless you are superb. You have to be really fantastic to have fantasy value over there. He hasn't been quite that this season, but just for a one-off here against Miami, I think that he makes for a pretty strong option. A couple other guys being added are his counterpart, Jesus Lazardo. He's already up at 60% rostered. I think it's pretty unlikely you'll find Jesus Lazardo. Maybe some people dropped him after that uh, last Mets start. He's uh, actually down 1% from where he was last week. He was at 61. He's down to 60. So perhaps you can still get Jesus Lazardo. He'd be another guy that I would be targeting. We're looking at some pretty decent options here today. Not everybody is going to have all of these guys available. Taiwan Walker... Probably not going to happen. Luzardo, probably not going to happen. Uh, Josiah Gray is pretty likely, I think. Kluber, again, a bit of a toss-up. The other option that you have here, maybe in your deeper leagues, is Matt Manning. And now he has not been 
great recently. We talked about him a little while back. Uh, actually, I was in that two-start week. I think it was Seattle and Kansas City where he did not do particularly well. I think that's I think that's what the combo was. But he is coming off of a very good start against those same Royals. Six and a third, he did get the victory, four strikeouts. He's not going to be the greatest pitcher in the world, but there are going to be leagues where you're really down to slim pickings. Maybe it's 15-teamers, and you just need to get whoever you can. Matt Manning might be your best available guy, and he probably is. If you're talking about like 25% rostered and under, he's probably going to be the guy that I'm adding up here. So just to go over it one more time, Walker would be a yes. Mitch Keller would be a no. Kluber, a yes. Manning would be a soft yes. Uh, Josiah Gray and Jesus Lizardo for me would both be yeses. We're looking at a pretty decent day for streaming. And after I go through the drops, we'll talk about some guys that are going to be available tomorrow for streams. Sunday is really not much going on. So I would stream today or tomorrow. But we will do that after we go through our drops. So I mentioned this yesterday on the show, and I'm going to mention it probably every show until the regular season is done, that these drops are going to be very subjective to your league settings and when your season ends specifically. That's the big one. So there's going to be some guys who are dropped here today where you think, I don't know about that one. I'd probably be holding on to that guy. Well, that's probably because the person who did drop him or the people who did drop them are done after this week. So they don't really need to think about next week. Maybe there's going to be some, obviously, variance in there. Some guys will be dropped just because they had a shitty outing or because they are you know they were just added for a one-day stream kind of thing. But we're mostly talking here in this next couple minutes. It'll be about pitchers who mostly are being dropped because their seasons are done for their uh, for their respective owners. So Noah Syndergaard, he is the first guy being dropped. He wasn't terrible yesterday. It was four runs over six innings. If, you, if your week goes into next week, it's going to be Blue Jays for Syndergaard. So another reason to maybe think about dropping him. It's not a great matchup. Maybe get proactive on the waiver wire and start looking ahead to next week. Syndergaard, he's been pretty okay this season, but the strikeouts have been fairly poor. A Blue Jays matchup when the Blue Jays are starting to figure shit out. I know they got shut out pretty badly yesterday, but the Blue Jays have been picking it up recently. Bo Bichette in, in particular, he's been just unbelievable. So Syndergaard might be a little bit of a risky option there. I think for the most part, I would agree with that drop. The next one is Dylan Bundy. He was not terrible in his own right. He gave up two runs over four innings against the Royals, two strikeouts. He's probably fine to drop. He faces the Royals again on Tuesday if you're really interested, but he's just not going deep into games. He doesn't get you a lot of strikeouts. It's a chance he'll get a victory, but I mean, even just going five innings for him is a bit of an issue. Going back to July 26th, his longest outing was, I believe, five and one-third. I just don't think an ad of, of Bundy has really made sense now for a while. These odd streams are kind of just... You're blindly throwing darts at the wall and hoping that they'll stick. And it hasn't really been that beneficial over the last month. He has a 440 ERA. He's a 628th-ranked player. For the whole season on a total total rankings... He's 830th. He's just really not been that great for you. If that Royals matchup does seem interesting, maybe then you take a look. But if you are going to add him for that and you don't have him right now, there's no need to be proactively adding him three or four days in advance. He's just not going to be somebody that flies off the shelves that much. He shouldn't be anyway. You guys know your league mates better than I do. But he should not be the hottest of commodities uh, going into next week. Sean Manaya, we talked about him yesterday as being probably a pretty strong pickup if you were still able to. Most leagues, he was probably already rostered. He was actually he's fallen from yesterday. He was at 66, now he's at 64. But he gave up two runs over five innings. He struck out three. It was nothing crazy. The strikeouts have kind of disappeared for Sean Manaya, which is troubling, obviously. 
Oh, I, I was hoping that he'd be able to go for more than three strikeouts against Arizona. But overall, his line was not bad. The whip was very good at .60. So I think you'll take that production if you did pick him up. He's got the Cardinals in his next outing. Probably going to be a little too risky for my liking. Uh, this one will be on Wednesday, and it's it's just too risky there. Uh, this last week, every week it gets a little bit more important. Uh, by next week, it'll be mostly finals. It'll be some semifinals still, but the magnifying glass just gets zoomed in a little bit more on these starts. So I, I don't know that we're going to really be able to trust Shamanaya against St. Louis, unfortunately. He's probably a safe drop. Here's where we start to get a little bit more interesting, and it's Miles Michaelis. He is the next guy being dropped. He was not great. He gave up three runs over six innings. I mean, it's not terrible, but he only struck out three batters. It wasn't the greatest fantasy outing. He's still up over 80% roster. He's at 82%. His next start is against the Padres on the road. Now, with Michaelis, he's not somebody that I would be dropping. I think I would hold on. Whether or not you're going to start him there, I, it's it's kind of a tough one, but I think you're probably going to be holding on for now just to see how next week shapes out. There's not going to be probably too many waiver wire pickups that are going to have, first of all, the upside that we've seen Michaelis can have this year, which can be eight innings. It can be eight strikeouts, that kind of range. He can give you that kind of performance. In fact, just going back to the beginning of August, he's gone at least eight innings three times. So he can go deep into games. We've seen it with the strikeouts. They can fluctuate. They can go anywhere between two and eight, which is kind of troubling, but I don't think that you're going to find too many options who are widely available that you're going to like more than Miles Michaelis. So I'd probably hold on if you still have him. If someone did drop him, I think there's probably someone worse on your roster that you can make that swap for. So I would be taking a look and just seeing, checking your notifications perhaps, and seeing if Miles Michaelis was dropped because almost 2,000 leagues have dropped him today. I think it's a little bit too extreme. I'd be holding on personally. A very interesting position player we've seen dropped a bit today is Vaughn Grissom. He's actually gone from 74 down to 71% rostered. The reason for this being that Ozzie Albies is back from the injured list. Now, I think they do plan on putting Grissom in the outfield, but they're just not ready yet. Uh, it kind of sucks that he's not going to be playing maybe every single day anymore, but he had been pretty cool for the last week or so. Now he's won for his last 17. I probably wouldn't be dropping him. I think he's a solid bench candidate for now. Once he starts getting a little bit more regular playing time, then he's probably somebody that you should stick back into the lineup. I just don't think that he should be a drop necessarily. Like this might just be one or two days, or maybe he's back in the lineup tomorrow. It's just hard to forecast what they're going to do exactly. And we've seen the upside, the home runs with the steals, with the high batting average, mixed with that great lineup, I won't. I uh, should mention as well, he's just not somebody that I'm ready to be moving on from. I understand that you can't start him right now, and if you locked in your lineup earlier in the week, you're probably pretty pissed that he was in it, understandably so. But I just don't think that you can be dropping him in most cases. Uh, in very shallow leagues, perhaps, you go pick up the hottest new thing. But I think the best place for Von Grissom right now, just stick him on your bench. And then hopefully he regains that starting job in the next few days. If it becomes clear that he's not going to, then you start to feel more comfortable with the drop. But for right now, I, I would be holding on. Let's talk about a couple of two-start pitchers for this weekend. There's only two that I'm really feeling that comfortable with that I would want to actually go out there and recommend them. It's going to be Jose Quintana and Wade Miley for me this weekend. I've picked these guys both up. Quintana I've actually been holding on to for, I guess, a week or so now, a little more than a week in a couple of leagues because he did have that great two-step, and he did very well. It was against Pittsburgh and Washington, and looking ahead at the schedule, 
He gets to play at home against Cincinnati this weekend. So I, I held on to Jose Quintana. I think that he's probably your best bet here. I don't think that there's going to be that many strikeouts from him. He's not like a horrible strikeout pitcher, 118 of them and 143. Probably going to give you in that four to five range, fairly average stuff, but it's a very good matchup here against Cincinnati. It's, it's about as good as you can hope for. We've talked about this season. Uh, Cincinnati, obviously at home, is fairly dangerous. On the road, it's like the Rockies. Uh, when they're on the road, they're a great team to stream against that you might kind of in the back of your head just hear Rockies, no. Cincinnati, no. But their lineups are terrible. It's just at home where you really have to worry about them because of their ballparks. Jose Quintana, he's been pretty damn solid as of late. His last 23 innings, which is over the last month, he has a 3-1-3 ERA. And for the season, it's only a 3-3-4. Even while he was pitching with Pittsburgh, which was most of the season, he's still been able to put up pretty solid numbers. So I feel pretty pretty confident here against Cincinnati. There's just not really so many options here. Wade Miley is going to be my second guy at home against those Rockies. There was some foreshadowing in there. And we'll get to him in a second, but I do just want to quickly look like there's just nothing here. And if you guys will look through with me um, the rest of Saturday, I mean, those two games are very early on the Saturday. And then later in the day, you have like, I guess if Trevor Rogers is still available, he would be probably a decent option. He's been added up in a lot of cases now. He gets Washington. So that one's pretty safe. But in terms of your widely available guys, I mean, you guys can take a look at yourself. There's not really anybody you're comfortable with. Dakota Hudson might be somebody some people grab up, but he's he's not a good pitcher. Dakota Hudson, he is not a good pitcher. He does not strike out batters. He doesn't do anything for you. So it's a similar matchup there you'd get later in the day because it's, it's going to be a doubleheader, Cincinnati and St. Louis. That's the, the second game will be Dakota Hudson. It's just too risky. There's just no matchup here that I'm looking at where I'd say, I feel confident that these guys, either of them are going to do well. There's a lot of a lot of crap this weekend, really. I mean, we have guys like DeGrom and Garrett Cole going and Alec Manoa, but it's it's not a good weekend for pitching as a whole. There's not really many great matchups. There's obviously going to be one or two that are worth watching, but there's not really so much going on there. So I shouldn't have done that tangent before I went into Miley. That's my apologies. We'll get into Wade Miley here. He gets Colorado at home, and I mean at home as in at Wrigley. Colorado will be on the road, so there is not much of a worry about their lineup. They've been pretty terrible now for the entire season, really. Colorado has not made much noise. I mean, C.J. Crone at the beginning of the year was was very good, but we've seen it this whole season. There's not really one standout hitter on their roster. They've just been, I don't know, they've been pretty embarrassing considering they play at Coors Field most of the time, honestly. But you get them away from Coors Field and you get Wade Miley, who's coming off of two very strong outings, San Francisco and Cincinnati. I would be pretty inclined to be adding him up here, especially when you look at the rest of our options for this weekend. It's a crapshoot. There's just really nothing going on. Maybe if you're talking really, really deep leagues, then you start to get interested in maybe a Dean Kramer against Toronto. It's not advisable. It's really not advisable. Um, you know, uh, there's just not. I'm looking through, trying to grasp at straws here, trying to you know give you guys some alternative options. There's not really much. Reed Detmers might be available in your league, but Reed Detmers has been pretty terrible recently so I don't even think I would want to I don't I wouldn't feel confident saying go ahead and stream Reed Detmers right now he just hasn't really had it not to say he couldn't have a good outing against Seattle but this is the time of year you kind of just need to go for the highest probability ads and targets and I think for me Miley and Quintana are those guys simply mostly anyway based on matchup but also recent performance they've both been pretty strong for their last few starts so I'm, I'm going with those two guys 
outside of that, as always, I'm happy to take questions on Twitter. If you guys say I have the chance to add player A, I can drop player B. I, I'm always there at Joe Orico 99. Shoot me a message. I try and get back right away. And there might be another random guy that you might think would have viability as opposed to one of your current starters or relievers or bench players or whoever. And there's a chance that there's just somebody that's not really catching my eye. But after going through this, I just don't really feel confident in anybody else besides these two guys. And these two guys are not even guys where you'd be like, oh, my God, like these are must-add streams. Like there was earlier in the year with George Kirby where it's like this guy's a streamer, but you should just roster him. Don't even drop him after the stream. Justin Steele. I want to play bagpipes when I even mention Justin Steele, but that's another guy in that same boat. He was a must-add player. Stream, sure, but must-add. These guys are not really your must-add type of players. It's just a matter of circumstance why you would be adding them up. So one last time, Quintana and Wade Miley, those would be my streaming choices for the weekend. Well, for Saturday, really, because that's just all we're looking at. We mentioned a couple of guys who are going today who I think might have some decent play. Um, I don't think it's the strongest day for widely available guys. It's not the strongest weekend for widely available arms, really. But Taiwan Walker, if you can grab him up, Corey Kluber, Josiah Gray, Jesus Lazardo. These are the guys that I'm going to have more faith in than the other guys being added up. Specifically, Mitch Keller, Matt Manning. I think they're a little bit more on the risky side. Before I let you guys go, I do want to give you my favorite matchup of the evening, and that's going to be Dustin May and Logan Webb tonight in San Francisco. Logan Webb. I think he's been a little bit disappointing this season because the strikeouts have kind of fallen off, but he's still got a 2.88 ERA, a 1.16 whip. He's been pretty damn exceptional. The Dodgers are a tough matchup, so I would understand if you didn't want to start him, and this is where I'll bring up another recurring point, which is usually brought up weekly as we head into the weekend. Don't start somebody just because they're good and they're cool and they're 95% rostered. Look at your matchup. See if you really need the stats they're going to be probably providing you this weekend. If you're up by 20 strikeouts, and your ERA is, you know, three, four runs ahead of your opponent, there's no need to really start anybody, maybe one guy, just to make sure you secure strikeouts, your safest bet. But there's really not that much of a need in certain situations to start, even, you know, if you have Verlander or Cease or McClanahan or Alcantara, whoever, it doesn't matter. If you're heading into Saturday, Sunday, and your categories are secured, don't start them. That's something I try and rhyme off once on these Friday shows just so because I've been known to do it in the past too you have a guy who's starting on Sunday and it's you know Garrett Cole starting for me oh well you know my ERA is up by three runs already Garrett Cole's not going to ruin it for me Garrett Cole's very capable of giving up five or six runs and just having a shitter of an outing like anybody is but Garrett Cole seems to be more inclined uh, to giving up kind of big stinkers so just one random example of a guy who's most likely going to do no harm probably do some good but it's not worth the risk. It's really not worth the risk. So that's something I do want to get that out of the way here. And I try and do it once a week, maybe even more frequently sometimes. And I did mention this a couple of days ago. You need to repeat stuff in these podcasts. Sometimes people just have them in the background. They listen while they're working out or you know, making dinner or whatever. It's not always people sitting there taking notes. In fact, I think probably 99.9% of the time, it's not people sitting there taking notes. So that's why I've been trying to repeat myself a little bit more here over these last couple weeks. My apologies for those of you who do sit there intently and listen. I think most of you probably don't, which is why I do this uh, repetitive thing I've been doing a little bit recently. Dustin May is the guy on the other side of this matchup. Now, Dustin May, he's a lot better than his numbers would indicate. He has a 428 ERA, or excuse me, 429 ERA. 
but he's still kind of working himself back into the season. He's only started four games. Um, yeah, four games. He's gone no more than six innings in any of them, and he's actually been pretty solid outside of that San Diego outing. So this one should be should be a very good matchup. we got two very talented pitchers going up against each other. Now, both of these guys are on my opponent's team in my home league. Now, he currently has both of them in his starting lineup. I'm hoping for an absolute crazy bonanza 25-run game here. That would be fantastic. We're currently fighting on our semifinal matchup for ERA. He's at 2.70. I'm at 2.50. If he has a couple of big blow-ups right here, that would make me a very happy boy heading into the weekend. But I will not bore you guys with my home league stuff. I know that most of you guys do not care. I will leave it there for the weekend. Guys, thank you so much for continuing to check out the show, downloading, subscribing, following over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where all of our baseball and fantasy baseball content gets posted out from. I really hope you guys do check out the website, sportsethos.com, and maybe even consider getting yourself a fantasy pass with the baseball, or excuse me, with the basketball and football seasons really coming into effect here. I mean, football, we're into week two. We're already behind the game here if you're not already, you know, drafted your football teams. But basketball, it's when you're really starting to get into the cream of the crop in terms of content. You got a lot of great podcasts coming out. Our fearless basketball leader, Dan Bespris, on the fantasy NBA Today side, he's doing a fantastic job starting to, I believe, gather guests up uh, for mock drafts and things like that. So that's getting very exciting. But if you want to go a little bit even step further than podcasts, we have a lot of premium content over at sportsethos.com. The Brewski 150, there's wagering stuff, there's DFS stuff, there's literally, I'm not sure exactly how many different packages there are, but they're very personalized. I mean, you can get like one all-encompassing thing and get all of it. You can get them all separately. There's there's a lot you can do over there at sportsethos.com. Go to the website, Hover over the premium tab, and we got fantasy NFL mixed in with the NBA content. There is a shitload of content, so please do go check it out. Podcasts, articles, tons of stuff. Guys, I will leave it there. Please do continue to rate and review the show. That is something that is really key to us growing out here at Sports Ethos. I do want to say before I, the final thought today is good luck, all of you guys, in your matchups, whether it be your quarters for some of you, probably not many, mostly semis and finals matchups coming up this weekend for head-to-head. You guys, all the best of luck in the world, even if it's Roto, those final pushes in those categories make up a couple extra points here and there. I hope you guys all come away with championship banners and fat paychecks and bragging rights. So that will do it for me. We will see you on Monday with Marty Tallman. Cheers, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.